After reciting the Tashahud, Ta'awuz and Surah Al-Fatiha, Hazrat Khalifatul Masih V, Ayyadahullahu Ta'ala bin Nasrihi Al-Aziz stated that in this era, according to his promise, Allah the Almighty sent the Imam of the age, the promised Messiah and Mahdi, in subservience to the Holy Prophet, peace and blessings of Allah be upon him, as the Hakam, i.e. the Judge, and Adal, the Just Arbiter. And the same Hakam and Adal was to gather all Muslims as one Ummah in light of the true teachings of Islam. And he was to eliminate the erroneous interpretations and trivial disputes of the various groups and sects and thereby establishing a single Ummah. And it was this very Hakam and Adal, i.e. the promised Messiah who was to establish unity amongst the Muslims. Today we see that Muslims from every sect who have carefully pondered and have felt the pain owing to the disputes between various sects within Islam and then by using their knowledge, wisdom and prayer have joined the community of the promised Messiah alayhi salatu was salam. And hundreds of thousands continue to join every year. However, the Ahmadiyya Muslim community was not established on the basis of differences between various sects and groups or owing to their differences of opinion or their difference in the understanding and commentaries. Rather, this community has been established in the latter days by the true servant of the Holy Prophet, peace and blessings of Allah be upon him, 
in accordance with the prophecy made by the Holy Prophet, peace be upon him, and the promise of Allah the Almighty. And it is this community which having pledged allegiance to the promised Messiah is to end these disputes between the Shias and the Sunni or between any other group or sect within Islam and thus enable them to become united under one Ummah. And we are to become a single Ummah by informing the Muslims of the true teachings of Islam. And the promised Messiah was commissioned for this very purpose. And it was for this very purpose that he established this community in accordance with the commandment of Allah the Almighty. And in order to fulfill this task, Allah the Almighty revealed to the Promised Messiah that he should unite all Muslims of the world under one faith. Thus, by joining and pledging allegiance to the Khilafat after him, the responsibility which Allah the Almighty bestowed on the Promised Messiah is also the responsibility of the community which he has established. And by the grace of Allah the Almighty, this is exactly what we have been doing for the past 130 years. Or if we consider it from the time when Khilafat started, then we have been doing this for the past 112 years. Before this, the Promised Messiah was carrying out this duty. And not only are we conveying the teachings of the Holy Quran, the Sunnah and the Hadith according to the enlightened explanations of the Imam and the Hakam and Adal, i.e. the Judge, and just arbiter of the age to the Muslims only, but we are also conveying the beautiful teachings of Islam to non-Muslims as well and bringing them into the fold of Islam. Thus, the community of the Promised Messiah, who was the Hakam and Adal, has been established to eliminate discord and despite facing opposition and lawsuits, hardships and verbal abuse, yet we continue to spread the message of peace, harmony and prayer to everyone. Indeed, we will never cease in spreading and speaking the truth and we are also presenting sacrifices in this cause. We have never fought or used foul language and nor will we ever do so. Divine communities face opposition and have to endure injustices as well. But eventually, Allah the Almighty grants them victory.
We pray, and as I said earlier, we will also continue our efforts to spread the message of the Imam of the age to the people of every religion in every country. But at the same time, I also say to the Muslim population, those who are serious and in search of the truth, and those who wish to bring an end to disorder and discord, and to those who possess knowledge and understanding, that they must ponder over this, that aside from a few decades in the beginning, Muslims have always found themselves in discord, thereby weakening their unity and oneness. These days, we are passing through the month of Muharram, which is the first month of the Islamic calendar. Upon the new year, according to the Gregorian calendar, we congratulate one another. However, it is unfortunate that on the occasion of the Islamic New Year, due to these divisions in Muslim countries, there is fighting and bloodshed. And so, why do the adherents of a faith which presents the most exemplary teachings of peace and harmony begin the new year with discord and disorder and fighting and bloodshed? Therefore, we must reflect upon this and bring about a change in our actions. We must think of how we can bring the Muslims together as a single ummah and eliminate such acts of disorder and extremism. Likewise, we must ponder over the fact that while our master, the Khatamun Nabiyyin, are the seal of the prophets, the holy prophet Muhammad, peace and blessings of Allah be upon him, foretold that after the initial triumph of Islam, there would be a period of dissension. At the same time, he also gave glad tidings regarding the establishment of Khilafat Allah Minhaj al-Nabuwa, i.e. Khilafat upon the precepts of prophethood. And the very matter that caused disagreement amongst the Muslims will prove to be that which unites Muslims as one Ummah. That is, through the establishment of Khilafat Allah Minhaj al-Nabuwa, that is Khilafat on the precepts of prophethood. And it will become a manifest sign for the success and unity of the Muslims. Thus, when the conditions of the world are telling us that the signs mentioned in the Holy Qur'an and the Ahadith are being fulfilled or have already been fulfilled, then should we not search for the Hakam and Adal, i.e. the Judge and the true Arbiter and the true Servant of the Holy Prophet, peace and blessings of Allah be upon him, 
who can bring an end to the disagreements between the Shias, Sunnis and all other sects and unite us all as one Ummah. Do not follow those blind and so-called ulama, i.e. the Muslim clerics, who are drowning and attempting to drown a large population of Muslims along with them. When the signs mentioned in the Holy Qur'an and the Ahadith are being fulfilled, then it is our duty to search for the one who has been commissioned by Allah the Almighty to serve as the means for the revival of Islam. Indeed, there must be someone commissioned for this task. And we Ahmadis believe that this person is the founder of the Ahmadiyya Muslim community, Hazrat Mirza Ghulam Ahmad of Qadiyan alayhi salatu wassalam, who was entrusted with this duty and through whom Allah the Almighty is reviving Islam and will continue to do so. And it is through the promised Messiah والسلام, that these conflicts and disorders will turn into peace and harmony. Therefore, if we possess true understanding, then we must not regard Muharram as a month for merely expressing sorrow or letting out malice, rancor and anger. And similarly, we must not make it a mere means of expressing our emotions. Instead, we should make this a month of expressing love and affection for one another. And we must follow the true teachings of Islam. And we must follow that guide whom Allah the Almighty has granted the status of Hakam and Adal, i.e. the judge and just arbiter in this present age. It is only then that we can be regarded as true Muslims and it is only then that we can make the world follow us. On one occasion, the promised Messiah explained to a scholar that my status is not that of a mere mulvi, i.e. cleric. Rather, my status is that of the prophets. Accept me as one who has been divinely commissioned. And all of these disputes and quarrels found amongst the Muslims can be resolved at once. The meanings of the Holy Qur'an as understood by the one who has been sent by God as the Hakam and Adal, i.e. the judge and just arbiter, will be the true meanings. Likewise, the authentic hadith will be those which he deems to be authentic. Otherwise, see for yourself, have the disputes between the Shias and the Sunnis ever come close to being resolved? They still continue to go on. The promised Messiah والسلام, further states that if Shias practice the Barra, meaning they vilify the first three Khulafa and use harsh language against them, then there are also others who say the following regarding Hazrat Ali radiallahu ta'ala anhu. That is to say, that his heart was well and truly set upon Khilafat, 
but the Khilafat of Hazrat Abu Bakr radiallahu ta'ala anhu impeded. In other words, it was the desire of Hazrat Ali radiallahu ta'ala anhu to become Khalifa. The promised Messiah alayhi salatu wasalam further states, However, I say that they can only reach the truth if they abandon this way of theirs and affiliate themselves with me. If these people are not convinced, they should believe at the very least that all shall die eventually and that one can never rid themselves of filth after death. The promised Messiah states that everyone shall die in the end and after death they shall never be able to save themselves from such filth. If foul language and abuse are loathsome in the sight of a virtuous individual, then how can one perform worship in the presence of God Almighty whilst continuing such a practice? Likewise, if a person commits wrongful acts and injustice, his worship to God Almighty cannot be deemed true worship. The promised Messiah further states, This is why I say that you should come and listen to me so that you may see the truth for yourself. My desire is to remove the entire cloak, repent a true repentance and become true believers. In other words, remove the cloak of innovations and erroneous notions that you wear, for you can only become believers when you truly repent. The Promised Messiah then states that as for the Imam you are waiting, I say that I am the very person, so come and obtain the proof from me. Hence, this is the reality through which one can truly understand their faith. That is to say, that putting an end to the conflicts and one's ego and presenting oneself before Allah the Almighty and to supplicate to Him and to repent to Him. However, this can only happen when one cleanses their heart of all impurities and prostrates before Allah the Almighty. It is then that Allah the Almighty grants true guidance. Describing the rank and excellence of the Khulafai Rashidin, i.e. the rightly guided Khulafa, the Promised Messiah states, I certainly know that no one can ever truly become a believer until they instill within themselves the qualities of Hazrat Abu Bakr, Hazrat Umar, Hazrat Usman and Hazrat Ali. May Allah be pleased with them all. They did not have love for the world. Rather, they dedicated their lives in the way of Allah the Almighty. Thus, this is the lofty status they held in the eyes of the Promised Messiah whereby for one to become a true believer, they must take all four Khalifas as their example. And when this is the case, then there will no longer remain any dispute between the sects and their difference of beliefs. Therefore, the viewpoint of the Ahmadiyya Muslim community is that they, i.e. the Khulafai Rashidin, are all an example for us.
And so, when this belief is held, then would the Ahmadiyya Muslim community not be such a community that puts an end to the differences between the other Muslims and establishes unity in them? All four rightly guided Khalifas possess a special rank and status and the promised Messiah has described each of their ranks in great detail on different occasions. I shall present some extracts of the promised Messiah in order for us to recognize their respective ranks and so that the new Ahmadis and the youth may also understand what our belief is, what we believe and what our doctrines are. The promised Messiah states, Even in that era, i.e. in the very early days during the time of Hazrat Abu Bakr Musalma gathered the people by means of supposedly liberating them. In other words, by presenting false interpretations, he made lawful that which was wrong, merely to gather the people with himself. The promised Messiah further states that in such circumstances, Hazrat Abu Bakr became the Khalifa, and one can only begin to imagine the extent of the difficulties that had arisen at the time. Had Hazrat Abu Bakr not been resilient, and had his faith not been imbued with the quality of faith of the Holy Prophet, peace and blessings of Allah be upon him, he would have been faced with a tremendously difficult task and would have been overcome with anxiety. However, Siddiq, i.e. Hazrat Abu Bakr was the close companion of the Holy Prophet, peace be upon him. In other words, he was always subject to the influence of the Holy Prophet, peace and blessings of Allah be upon him. He was influenced by the Holy Prophet, peace be upon him's morals, and his heart was filled with the light of certainty. This is why after the Holy Prophet, peace and blessings of Allah be upon him, it is very difficult to find a parallel of the courage and fortitude displayed by Hazrat Abu Bakr His life was the very life of Islam, and this matter is one that does not require a lengthy explanation. Study the circumstances of that time, and ponder over the services rendered by Hazrat Abu Bakr to Islam. I truly say that Hazrat Abu Bakr Siddiq was the second Adam for Islam. And I earnestly believe that if there had not been Hazrat Abu Bakr after the demise of the Holy Prophet, peace and blessings of Allah be upon him, Islam would have ceased to exist. That is to say, that Allah the Almighty appointed Hazrat Abu Bakr in that time to protect Islam from the attacks of the enemy and to safeguard the Sharia. Hazrat Abu Bakr revived Islam by means of the special training and extraordinary connection he had with the Holy Prophet, peace and blessings of Allah be upon him, and he rendered the assaults of the enemy futile. The Promised Messiah further states, a wonderful service of Hazrat Abu Bakr Siddiq is that he once again granted strength to Islam. With his strength of faith, he reprimanded the rebels and established peace. And just as the prophecy and promise of Allah the Almighty that he shall establish security at the hands of a rightful Khalifa was indeed fulfilled in the Khilafat of Hazrat Abu Bakr 
and the practical testimony of this was borne by the heavens and the earth. Thus, the meaning of Siddiq is one who has the same level and perfection of sincerity and truthfulness as possessed by him. Then, whilst describing the qualities and status of Hazrat Umar radiallahu ta'ala anhu, on one occasion the promised Messiah alayhi salatu wasalam states, Are you aware of the lofty rank of Hazrat Umar radiallahu ta'ala anhu amongst the companions? It was to the extent that at times the Holy Qur'an would be revealed and it would be in accordance to the viewpoint he held. Furthermore, there is a hadith in praise of him that Satan flees from the shadow of Umar. Likewise, there is another hadith in which the Holy Prophet, peace be upon him, stated that if there was to be a prophet after him, it would be Hazrat Umar anhu. Thirdly, there is the hadith that muhaddis, i.e. those who converse with God, have appeared amongst the people who passed before you. And if there is such a person amongst my people, it is Umar. On another occasion, whilst mentioning Hazrat Abu Bakr, Hazrat Umar and Hazrat Usman anhum collectively, the promised Messiah states, My Lord has revealed to me the Siddiq, i.e. Hazrat Abu Bakr, Farooq, i.e. Hazrat Umar and Hazrat Usman anhum were pious, believing people who were among the chosen ones of Allah the Almighty and were favoured with the special bounties of the gracious God. Furthermore, the majority of people of understanding have borne witness to their virtues. They left their lands for the pleasure of the honourable and glorious God, and they entered the furnace of every battle, and they cared not for the scorching midday heat of every summer, nor the cold of the night of every winter. Rather, they marched forward upon the paths of their faith like youthful young men, inclining neither to their own people nor to others, and they bade farewell to everything, all for the sake of the Lord of all the worlds. Their actions were imbued with a sweet fragrance and their deeds with an aroma. All of this points to the gardens of their rank and the orchards of their good deeds. Likewise, the aromatic breezes of their zephyr, i.e. the soft, sweet-smelling wind, reveals their intricate qualities and their light becomes manifest to us with all its radiance. Many of these extracts I am quoting are from the Arabic book Sirrul Khilafa, and the Arabic translators may not be able to translate it live to this level, but when the repeat of this sermon is broadcasted, the translation of the original reference of this book should be used. Whilst mentioning the attributes and the rank of Hazrat Ali radiallahu ta'ala anhu, the promised Messiah alayhi salatu wasalam states, Ali, may Allah be pleased with him, was righteous and pious. He was a beloved of Allah, the gracious God. He was the elect of Allah and the chief of his era. He was the victorious lion of Allah, the benevolent a pure-hearted and generous youth that belonged to God. He was peerless and his bravery was such that he would remain resolute in the battlefield, even if an army from among the enemy stood in front of him. He lived his life with great humility, reaching the highest peak of piety that a mortal can attain. He would sacrifice his money and wealth 
and was the foremost in consoling and helping the destitute, orphans and neighbours. And on the battlefield, he showed a rare bravery and displayed a miraculous skill in handling the sword and spear. But at the same time, he was softly spoken and an eloquent orator. His words would penetrate the hearts of the listeners and remove the corrosion of their minds. His countenance shone bright with the light of truth. He was an outstanding orator. Whosoever competed with him in this field would themselves step down, overpowered and defeated by his eloquence. His every attribute was outstanding and he was flawless in his speech and eloquence. He who denies his perfection adopts the way of the shameless. Then with regards to Hazrat Ali radiallahu ta'ala anhu's rank and his khilafat, the promised Messiah alayhi salatu wasalam states, There is no doubt that Hazrat Ali radiallahu ta'ala anhu was a hope for the seekers of the truth and an unparalleled model of generosity. He was divine proof for the people and the best example of his time. He was the light of Allah that was to illuminate the world. But the era of his Khilafat was not a time of peace and safety, but a time of conflict and discord. People differed between his Khilafat and the Khilafat of Ibn Abi Sufyan and will be perplexed on account of them. Some people consider them to be like two bright Firqad stars, like two bright stars of Ursa Minor, and consider them equal in stature. But the fact of the matter is that the truth was on the side of Ali Murtaza. Those who fought against him were rebellious and transgressors. Then, with regards to the services the four Khulafai Rashidin, either rightly guided caliphs, rendered for Islam and in regards to safeguarding the Holy Quran and how they discharged the trust bestowed upon them, the promised Messiah والسلام, states, It is vital to believe that Hazrat Abu Bakr Siddiq ta'ala anhu, Hazrat Umar Farooq ta'ala anhu, Hazrat Zunnurain, i.e. Hazrat Usman ta'ala anhu, and Hazrat Ali Murtaza radiallahu ta'ala anhu were all the custodians of the faith. For Islam, Hazrat Abu Bakr radiallahu ta'ala anhu was the second coming of Adam. Similarly, if Hazrat Umar Farooq and Hazrat Usman radiallahu ta'ala anhuma did not show sincerity in the trust bestowed upon them, then it would be impossible for us to consider even one verse of the Qur'an to be from Allah the Almighty. Then with regards to these four khulafa, the promised Messiah alayhi salatu wasalam states, By Allah, they were such men who in support of the best of creation, i.e. the Holy Prophet, peace and blessings of Allah be upon him, would remain steadfast in the battlefields, staring death in the face. For the sake of Allah, they gave up their fathers and their sons and even fought them with their mighty sword. 
They entered the battle against their loved ones and cut off their heads. They surrendered their desires, wealth and even their lives for the sake of Allah. But despite these tremendous sacrifices, they wept and expressed regret that their deeds were not enough. In other words, they did not exhibit any pride at their virtuous deeds. The Promised Messiah further states, They never once experienced deep and restful sleep, but instead would sleep very little, which was merely the rest their body necessitated. They never desired the luxuries of this life. How then is it possible to assert that they were guilty of oppression, usurping from others and committing injustices? The fact of the matter is that they had completely abandoned all worldly desires and had resigned themselves to the threshold of God. They were the ones who completely devoted themselves in the way of Allah. Thus, this is the true understanding of the rank and station of the four khulafa that the promised Messiah has taught us. A Muslim will only be deemed a true Muslim when one recognizes the rank and honor of these noble men and by removing their differences with other Muslims, they become part of one Ummah. Otherwise, conflict and internal disputes can be of no benefit to Islam. But the enemy, however, will use this to their advantage, and this is something they are doing, which can be witnessed today. Thus, in this day and age, if one wishes to serve Islam and has the desire to safeguard it, then this can only be achieved by attaching oneself to the champion of Allah, whom Allah the Almighty has sent for this very purpose in this present age. As I mentioned earlier, that currently we are passing through the month of Muharram. Tomorrow, or the day after, is 10th of Muharram. And on this day, Shias expressed their sentiments with reference to the martyrdom of Hazrat Hussain radiallahu ta'ala anhu. Undoubtedly, the manner in which Hazrat Hussain was martyred was truly barbaric. And during these days, when the Shias expressed their sentiments, or even on other days when they express their sentiments they have for Hazrat Hussain and Hazrat Ali radiallahu ta'ala anhuma, they also hold the view regarding the promised Messiah alayhi salatu wasalam, and his community that we have not understood the true status of the family of the Holy Prophet peace and blessings of Allah be upon him. The Ahmadiyya Muslim community has always dispelled this misconception and from the writings of the Promised Messiah some of which I have mentioned today one can understand what Hazrat Ali anhu's rank and honour was in the eyes of the Promised Messiah But at the same time we also consider the other three khulafa, i.e. the caliphs, to be truthful. But in any case, with reference to the writings and sayings of the Promised Messiah, I will now mention what was the rank and honor of the family of the Holy Prophet, peace and blessings of Allah be upon him, in the eyes of the Promised Messiah, and what the Promised Messiah والسلام, advised his community. 
In his book, Sirrul Khilafa, the Promised Messiah والسلام, writes regarding Hazrat Ali ta'ala anhu and his family. Hazrat Ali ta'ala anhu would encourage others to remove the difficulties of the helpless. He would command to feed the poor and needy. He was among those who were honoured with the nearness of God and the foremost people who drank from the fountain of the Qur'an. In other words, he was granted the insight of the Holy Qur'an and was gifted with the deep understanding and insight of the intricacies of the Holy Qur'an. The Promised Messiah further states, that I have seen him, i.e. Hazrat Ali radiallahu ta'ala anhu, in a state of wakefulness and which was not in a dream. I met him in a vision and whilst in this state, Hazrat Ali radiallahu ta'ala anhu bestowed upon me the commentary of the Book of Allah, the knower of the unseen, and said, This is my commentary and now it is bestowed upon you. Rejoice for that which has been bestowed upon you. Thus I stretched forth my hand and took the commentary and thanked Allah, the Mighty, and Bestower of all things. I found Hazrat Ali radiallahu ta'ala anhu to be of proportionate build, with a balanced temperament, possessing moral excellence, courteous, humble, and had a radiant countenance. And I affirm on oath, that Hazrat Ali radiallahu ta'ala anhu met me with great love and affection. And it was revealed to me that he knew me and was aware of my beliefs and he was also aware that my views and beliefs were opposed to the beliefs held by the Shia. But he never expressed any sort of displeasure or disapproval at this and nor did he turn away from me. Instead, He met me like one's beloved and showed me great affection, just like a true and sincere friend would do so. The Promised Messiah further states that he was accompanied by both Hassan and Hussein and by the chief of messengers, the seal of the prophets. Also in their company was a very beautiful, righteous woman of high status, She was blessed, pure, dignified and worthy of honour. Her inner and outer qualities was infused with spiritual light. I found her to be in a state of grief which she was trying to suppress and it was conveyed to me that she was Fatima al-Zahra. I was lying down as she approached me and sat down next to me. She placed my head upon her thigh and was most kind to me and I noticed that she was sorrowful and anxious on account of my troubles, as mothers are anxious on account of the tribulations of their children. The Promised Messiah states that she was kind towards him and worried for him just as a mother is when her child is in difficulty. However, the Maulvis, i.e. the Muslim clerics who have polluted minds, raise allegations against this extract where the Promised Messiah has written that Hazrat Fatima anha placed his head on her thigh. The Promised Messiah is saying this in context to how a mother shows affection to her child 
However, how can one explain this to those people whose minds are polluted? And when ordinary Muslims hear their statements, they think that Hazrat Fatima anha has been dishonoured, God forbid. The promised Messiah clarifies it further by saying just how affectionate she was to him, just like that of a mother to her child. Nonetheless, the promised Messiah further states, It was then conveyed to me that my relationship with her, i.e. was Hazrat Fatima was like that of a son. It crossed my mind that her sorrow was an indication of the persecution that I was to undergo at the hands of my people, countrymen and enemies. This was the reason why Hazrat Fatima was in a state of such grief. Then Hassan and Hussain approached me and expressed their affection towards me like that of brothers and met me like kind well-wishers. This vision was one of those that I experienced while I was awake and this took place many years ago. I have a unique relationship with Hazrat Ali and Hazrat Hussain of which only God, the Lord of East and West knows, is true reality. In fact, I have deep love for Hazrat Ali and his sons. I am an enemy of the one who is an enemy of them. However, I am not unjust, nor am I from among the oppressors. And it is not possible for me to turn away from what Allah the Almighty has revealed to me, and I am not of the transgressors. On another occasion, the Promised Messiah states, In this poem, i.e. Qasida, which I have written in relation to Hazrat Imam Hussain or Prophet Jesus is not the work of any human effort. Rather, this was revealed to me by Allah the Almighty Himself. Most despicable is that individual who speaks ill against such perfect and righteous individuals. I have complete conviction that not a single person can remain alive for even one night having spoken ill against such righteous individuals like Hussein and Prophet Jesus. Such a person will quickly be seized by the saying of the Holy Prophet, peace be upon him. Thus, blessed is the one who comprehends the heavenly affairs and ponders over the works of God. The hadith which the promised Messiah has referred to means the one who bears enmity with my vali, a friend, I will announce war against them. When one expresses their love and affection in a private gathering, when no one else is present, it is indeed from the depths of one's heart. And although one with such pious disposition, who Allah the Almighty has granted such a lofty status, every word of his emanates from within the heart. But for those who raise allegations, it is worth knowing that what were the sentiments of the promised Messiah at home? These were not just expressed in his writings, sayings or in public gatherings and neither did the promised Messiah speak about Hazrat Imam Hussain and his love for the members of the Holy Prophet peace be upon him's family only in front of others. In fact, the promised Messiah expressed his sentiments even in his private setting 
while sat at home with his children. Hazrat Mirza Bashir Ahmad Sahib anhu relates that owing to his great love for the Holy Prophet, peace and blessings of Allah be upon him, the promised Messiah also had boundless love for the Holy Prophet, peace be upon him, his family and his companions. Once, during the month of Muharram, the promised Messiah was in his garden resting on a charpai, by a traditional woven bed used in the Indian subcontinent. The promised Messiah called upon our sister Mubarakah Begum and our late brother Mubarak Ahmed, who was the youngest amongst our siblings near to him, and stated, Come, let me narrate to you the accounts of Muharram. The promised Messiah then recounted the events of Hazrat Imam Hussain martyrdom in a very heartfelt manner. As the promised Messiah would narrate these events, tears would continuously flow from his eyes and he would wipe the tears away with the tips of his fingers. After the Promised Messiah finished narrating this very painful story, he stated in great anguish, this grave injustice against the grandson of the Holy Prophet, peace be upon him, was carried out by the impure Yazid. However, God Almighty seized these callous people with his wrath. At the time, the Promised Messiah was deeply moved and the thought of the merciless martyrdom of this beloved grandson of his master, sallallahu alayhi wasallam had left him in a state of deep anguish. This was all owing to his intense love for the Holy Prophet, peace be upon him. Hazrat Nawab Mubarakah Begum Sahibah has also narrated this account as she personally witnessed it. She states, The promised Messiah was resting on the charpai in the garden. Me and Mubarak brought a turtle to show the promised Messiah. However, the promised Messiah ignored it and stated, Come, let me relate to you the accounts of Muharram. And so we both sat beside him. We were still passing through the first ten days of Muharram. The promised Messiah then began to relate the events of Hazrat Imam Hussain martyrdom. The promised Messiah stated, The grandson of our Holy Prophet, peace and blessings of Allah be upon him, was deprived of food and water and then martyred in the fields of Karbala by the hypocrites and cruel individuals. The Promised Messiah then stated that on that day the sky turned red and within the period of 40 days the wrath of God Almighty seized the cruel murderers. One of them died after suffering from leprosy whilst others perished with all kinds of infliction. Whenever the Promised Messiah would mention Yazid, he would refer to him as Yazid the impure. The Promised Messiah narrated very lengthy accounts and his own condition was such that he was extremely emotional and tears would flow from his eyes which he would wipe away with his index finger. When a person hears about the events of this great cruelty, their hair stand on end. It is narrated that when the enemy overpowered them, Hazrat Imam Hussain headed towards the Euphrates River or perhaps he tried to go in that direction. However, he was stopped and then someone shot an arrow which struck him just above the chin, leaving a deep wound. They then began further attacking him until Hazrat Imam Hussain was martyred. The narrator states that prior to his martyrdom, he heard Hazrat Imam Hussain say, 
that by God, after me, you will not kill anyone whose death would incur the displeasure of God Almighty more than my death. Thereafter, Hazrat Imam Hussain radiallahu ta'ala anhu stated that by God, I am of the hope that God will humiliate you and grant me his mercy and will then avenge my death on you in such a manner that you will be left astounded. After Hazrat Imam Hussain radiallahu ta'ala anhu was martyred, the perpetrators of this cruel act then moved towards the camp of Hazrat Imam Hussain radiallahu ta'ala anhu, where the members of his family were and began looting and even removed the veils from their heads. After Hazrat Imam Hussain radiallahu ta'ala anhu was martyred and his body was lying in the battlefield, the commander of the enemy called his men and asked, Who will trample over his body with their horses? Ten horsemen came forward and trampled over the body of Hazrat Imam Hussain radiallahu ta'ala anhu to the extent that his chest and back were completely crushed. According to one narration, Hazrat Imam Hussain radiallahu ta'ala anhu had 33 wounds to his body caused by spear and 43 wounds by the sword in addition to the wounds caused by the arrows. Not only that, but his head was cut off and sent to the governor who ordered for the head to be displayed in Kufa. This was an extreme act of cruelty and even the most deplorable of enemies would not commit such an act. I have just briefly narrated some of the events. However, when the promised Messiah was narrating these accounts, tears were continuously flowing from his eyes owing to his intense grief. Thus, how can one even claim that God forbid the promised Messiah did not have any love for the family of the Holy Prophet peace be upon him or lack true understanding of it? In fact, on one occasion, when the promised Messiah learned that someone had spoken ill against Hazrat Imam Hussain he strictly admonished his Jamaat. The promised Messiah stated, that let it be known that I have been informed through a postal card that certain ignorant people who associate themselves with my Jamaat have claimed that God forbid Hazrat Imam Hussain was amongst those who rebelled owing to his refusal of doing the bad of the Khalifa of the time, i.e. Yazid, and that they claim that Yazid was on the side of the truth. The promised Messiah stated that curse be upon the liars, I do not believe that such despicable words could be uttered by a righteous person of my Jamaat. However, the thought also crossed my mind that since many of the Shia have also made me a target in their gatherings in which they speak ill of other Muslims, therefore it is possible that some ignorant and uncivilized individual may have given a foolish reply in response to their foolish statements. Just like those ignorant Muslims who use harsh language against Prophet Jesus in response to those Christians who speak ill against the noble status of the Holy Prophet, peace and blessings of Allah be upon him. In any case, through this pronouncement, I wish to inform my Jamaat that it is our belief that Yazid was of an impure disposition, a vermin and an extremely cruel individual. He was completely devoid of all those traits by virtue of which one is considered a believer. To become a believer is not a simple matter. 
Regarding such people, Allah the Almighty states, That is, the Arabs of the desert say, We believe. Say, You have not believed yet, but rather say, We have accepted Islam. The Promised Messiah states that a believer is one whose actions testify their belief, and their belief is ingrained in their hearts, and they give precedence to God and His pleasure over everything. They tread on the narrow and fine paths of taqwa, i.e. righteousness, for the sake of Allah the Almighty, and become completely immersed in His love. They completely distance themselves from that which appears like an idol and becomes an obstacle in reaching God, whether it is a moral condition, a sinful act, or any act of indolence. However, the ill-fated Yazid was devoid of all these qualities. In fact, he was blinded by his love for the world. On the other hand, Hussain was a pious man and surely was from among the noble people whom God Almighty himself purifies and fills them with his love and is from among the leaders of heaven. And to hold even the slightest of grudges against him is detrimental to one's faith. His righteousness, love for God, patience, steadfastness, piety and worship is a perfect model for us and we are the followers of that guidance which was granted to him. Such a heart is completely destroyed that bears enmity towards him, but one that displays love for him through his actions and perfectly reflects every trace of his faith, morals, bravery, righteousness, patience and love for God will surely succeed, just like a clean mirror reflects the features of a beautiful person. The Promised Messiah further states that such people are hidden from the eyes of the world. No one is aware of their true rank except for those who are from among them. The eyes of the world cannot perceive them for they are very far from this world and this was the very reason for Hussain martyrdom for his true status was not recognized. Has the world ever loved the holy and noble ones during their lifetime? that we would expect them to show love for Hussain The fact of the matter is that it is an extremely disgraceful and faithless act for one to dishonor Hussain Anyone who dishonors Hussain or those noble men from among the pure and righteous Imams or utters anything disrespectful against them, they ruin their faith because Allah the Almighty Himself becomes the enemy of one who bears enmity against His holy and beloved servants. Thus, after hearing all of this, how can one possibly say that the promised Messiah did not have any love for the family of the Holy Prophet, peace be upon him? In fact, no one else had such true comprehension of this love as compared to the promised Messiah. And the promised Messiah has mentioned this himself as well. And where the Shias exceeded the limits, the promised Messiah explained the true reality of the matters. And similarly, where the Sunnis erred, the Promised Messiah pointed out to them in order to reform their ways. This indeed was the duty of the Hakam and Adal, i.e. the judge and the just arbiter. And it was for the propagation and spread of the true teachings of Islam that Allah the Almighty sent the Promised Messiah.
But despite this, both of these major sects oppose the Ahmadis and make us a target of their injustices. However, we must patiently and steadfastly continue to fulfill this mission that we have been entrusted with and for which we have pledged allegiance, i.e. taken the bed of the promised Messiah, that we will spread the true message of Islam to the entire world. And we must always keep in mind the example demonstrated by Hazrat Imam Hussain radiallahu ta'ala anhu. In one of his couplets, Hazrat Muslim Aud radiallahu ta'ala anhu states, that they make you like Hussein and become like Yazid themselves. What a favorable deal this is. Thus let them fire their arrows. Inshallah, God willing, our sacrifices will not go to waste. And the promised Messiah, has stated on one occasion that although I have been referred to as Hussein radiallahu ta'ala anhu, however, this time the outcome will be completely different because Allah the Almighty has destined that we will succeed. This time around, victory will be with those who possess the attributes of Hussein radiallahu ta'ala anhu. In other words, this victory will manifest in apparent means as well, whereby the enemy will be unsuccessful and their efforts will go in vain. Thus, in times like this, where the opposition against us is at its peak, especially in Pakistan, we must particularly pray in this month, but generally as well, we should always remain engaged in prayers. We should pray and invoke salutations upon the Holy Prophet, peace be upon him, as much as possible, and the more we prostrate before Allah the Almighty, the sooner He will grant us victory and success. Also, during these days, particularly pray for the other Muslims as well, as the Muslim sects are bent on shedding the blood of one another, and particularly on the 10th of Muharram, as is evident from past history, the shrines of the Imam or other gatherings of the Shia are attacked, and many are martyred for their faith as a result. Thus, may Allah the Almighty grant them the wisdom, and this year we do not hear of any news from any country whereby Muslims have attacked other Muslims. And may these Muslims quickly realize the reality that the victory of Islam which Allah the Almighty has destined is only possible through the promised Messiah And also, may they realize that all their success lies in entering the bath, i.e. pledging allegiance to the Imam of the age, the promised Messiah May Allah the Almighty grant them the ability to understand this. Alhamdulillah <laughs> Ummayyud 